History happened everywhere. The verdict. This is our after-show podcast where we look back at the most recent episode, number 66, The Extra Mile in Syria During the Persian Empire. So if you haven't listened to that, go back and check it out or else there will be... Spoilers ahead. Well, I can't help it. It's not my fault I have to look at you, is it? Hello, my name is Ryan Weir and I'm here in the HHE studio with the Xenophon to my xylophone. It's Mr. Peter Goddard. <laughs> I'm not sure what to make of that, so I'll just say hello. <laughs> and we are joined as ever by the dreaded Doctor of Doom. It's the judge himself. It's Mr. Paul Dursley. I'm afraid I couldn't get somebody to do it for me this week, so I'll have to do it myself. <laughs> Wait, who's been doing it in the past then? Well, I thought I'd follow you and get somebody else to tell me everything. This is not a good sign for you, Pete. It's not great, is it? <laughs> no. <laughs> thought he had a doppeldursley for a moment. <laughs> but look, Peter, I've taken a little too much mad honey in the past few hours, uh, and I've entirely lost my mind. Would you mind, you know, recapping everything you told us about the last episode in, let's say, 60 seconds? I can do that. When would you like me to start? Would you do it now? I took Ron on a trip to Syria, the Levantine nation struggling with civil war and with a long, 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 long history. We sampled a delicious yerba mate tea through a fascinating straw and discovered that Syria during our time period, well, we didn't discover much, we didn't know anything, although we did deduce a few details about daily life in the satrapy of Syria thanks to Trevor from the History of Persia podcast. We discovered the royal roads and the ancient people who inspired the US Postal Service, and we travelled the extra mile and then some with Xenophon and his 10,000 soldier friends as they tried to battle their way through thousands of miles of enemy territory eventually arriving back home to safety. That was last week's episode done. Summarised nicely, nice one, son. Now we're over to a young Dursley who's going to tell you what he thought of me. He'll take you apart without any care. He's the lovely Paul Dursley. The lovely Paul Dursley. The hallucinations have faded away, and it's all come flooding back to me. And what an episode it was, Pete, from tea filters to parasangs, from the royal road to holding in your intestines. I loved every single fact and story you told. But what does it matter what I think? We're not here to listen to my opinion. We're here to receive the wisdom of just one man. So, Judge Dursley, tell us, broadly speaking, what were your impressions of episode 66? Was this a case of Persian perfection or Syrian silliness? <laughs> the latter. This is not looking good for you, Peter. <laughs> he really knows how to give a compliment, doesn't he? Do you want something positive? Absolutely. I do, yes. Very much so. <laughs> well, I... I'll tell you what made me laugh, and I thought it's one of the best you've done in ages. Your um, stars for Google reviews on the flag, so it must be America, must be really good. <laughs> I think it was Ryan who said that, so that's I a point for Ryan. I, 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 thought, I thought that was very funny. That was unusual for you, a laugh out loud moment. Oh, that, thanks. Now, listen, we have to address the elephant in the room, Paul, which is I, I had a problem, and that was there was nothing to speak about because we had no records. And I understand that you may be upset that I didn't do specifically things that took place in Syria. What was the naval battle, the big naval battle? You know, Salamis were 
amazingly sort of the small, well, not small, but, you know, the, the Greeks defeated the Persians, which wasn't really expected. You know, Greeks never had a great naval tradition. So it's funny you say that, because I did have my eye on Salamis as a topic to talk about. And the reason, the connection I was making was, realistically, a lot of the Mediterranean fleet of the Persian Empire was Phoenician, and a chunk of Phoenicia is in what is today Syria. And that was my way of saying, well, we know not only were there some Syrian soldiers, but actually we're very confident that a significant portion of it was actually Phoenician. So that is a Syrian-esque connection. But then the other thing I wanted, I thought about bringing to the table was that when Xerxes who was the king at the time in the attack on Greece, went to attack Greece. One of the things he had to do was get across from Asia into Europe, across the Hellespont, as it was known, the Dardanelles, as it's known today, and or the Strait of Gallipoli. So in order to do this, Xerxes had a bridge built, but then there was a big storm and it smashed up all the bridges so he couldn't cross. So Xerxes, angered by the sea, first of all, he had the people who built the bridge killed, obviously, you've got to do that. And then the second thing he did was, obviously, the sea also had to be punished. The sea. So he had his men throw some shackles into the sea and whip it, I think it was 300 times, <laughs> in order to put a bit of discipline into the sea. <laughs> and then he uh, they, they strung up a bunch of boats in the ends and they, the whole army got across successfully obviously the sea learnt its lesson well i'm not sure it did because i didn't caligula do the same thing when he couldn't invade britain what he whipped the sea yes he sort of ha, ha, had a big fight with the sea which he won <laughs> and so he took lots of spoils as you used to and so they were quite nonplussed in Rome when he came back and his spoils were basically sand and shingle off the beach. That is less impressive, I have to be honest. Yes, it is, it is, but the sea clearly has not learned its lesson. (laughs) The sea keeps playing up, it just won't learn. So you were just talking about a bridge. Yes, I was. Yeah. And I'm going to use that as my segue for this bit because I was curious about the Royal Road. This was the road that was built by Darius the Great. Well, I wanted to know whether or not any of it existed, right? Was there anything left of it today? And uh, the sad news is, is almost all of it has entirely disappeared. Nature has just sort of consumed those dirt tracks and it's kind of disappeared. However, there is one remaining original piece of the road. And it's a bridge in Amida in Turkey, which crosses the river Tigris south of the old walled city there in Amida. And the reason that the bridge remains today is because of the Romans. So hundreds of years after the fall of Darius's empire at the hands of Alexander the Great, the road became a vital part of the Roman Empire, who used it basically to expand into Eurasia. Now, the upper Tigris was an important part of a frontier with Armenia, a kingdom that was at that time a vassal of Rome's archenemy, the Sasanian Empire. And Amida is kind of at the, the crux of it all. And so it became so strategically important, this place, that the Romans in the early 330s, under the Roman prince Constantius, they, in quotes, surrounded Amida with strong walls and towers, and by establishing there an armory of artillery, he made it a terror to the enemy. 
So this was in part a show of strength, but also Constantius needed some defence as well. So he stationed an entire legionary unit of 80 men just to the bridge just to defend it. And it was while the Romans were there defending the bridge that they also used the opportunity to reinforce it and why it still exists to this day. So is it literally just the bridge or is there a bit of room either side of the bridge? <laughs> I assume the, the lead up to the bridge is probably the same, but yeah, no. So yeah, I was hoping that maybe we could go do like a hike along the, the Royal Road, but um, so far it would just be crossing a small bridge. That's my kind of hike, I'll be honest with you, as long as we can have a snack on the way. <laughs> There used to be a part of the world around there called Area. Really? Spell Area as in A-R-E-A? Yeah, or A-R-Y-A, because that's where the Aryans came from. As in the Aryan race? Yes. Okay, let's move on. This is not an opportunity for you to be talking about Aryans. I I was looking up a sort of local government minister, (laughs) and his name was Hitler Mussolini. But well, that was his name. Well, that's the name of the caption said. Wow. I'd say that would that's not a strong start in your career, is it? Hitler Mussolini. Middle name Pol Pot. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> So, Peter, I'm curious what you would have done if you'd not had Trevor. The answer is struggle, really. <laughs> My fear was I'd end up talking about loads of things that didn't happen in Syria and didn't particularly feature Syrians, and we would have had very little linkage to Syria. And I think what Trevor was really good at was bringing an insight that actually enabled us to talk about Syria, particularly in this time period, which without him, I'm not sure I could possibly have done it. I would have ended up talking about the Battle of Marathon, the Thermopylae mm. and Salamis, which would have linked to Syria. But uh, we, at least with Trevor, we were able to talk about Syria itself and I felt that was uh, at least doing the country justice a little bit. He was quite the win and I was impressed by how much he sounded like a proper historian compared to us. Yeah it's certainly a a fine substitute for me pretending to be intelligent. (laughs) Yes it's a breath of fresh air (laughs) and and, and, and I suppose also uh, for for that you had a mensural fact. A what? Mensuration is the study of measurement. Oh really is that right? Yes. Okay. Mensuration. Mensuration. Uh, So when you were talking about the mille passus, thousand paces. Ah, yes. So, yeah, that's the definition of a mile. And funnily enough, if you count 2,000 steps, because a step is two paces... You've almost walked a mile. Well, look, I only operate in stadia nowadays anyway, so if you ask me for directions... A stadia (laughs) is about a quarter of a mile, isn't it? It's about 400 yards. Something like that, yeah. Uh, That's how I give directions now. It's it's actually... It's funny. It's like a stadium Mm. running around a stadium, which is about 400 yards. Well, I'm pushing for Parasang to make a comeback. (laughs) It's not too late, is it? Yeah, I I hadn't heard of Parasang. I've heard of Parsec, but not Parasang. Well, apparently Parasang has now sort of transformed into Farasan and it's still in use in some really rural areas of Iran. Oh wow and and how long is that nowadays? Yeah it's somewhere between two and three miles I'm sure they've standardized it at somewhere in the countryside in Iran but yeah. right as, yeah. as I understood it from the past somewhere between two and three miles. 
And the other thing, obviously, I considered talking about was the Battle of Marathon, right? So supposedly the legend goes that a runner was sent to Sparta from Athens to say, can you help us out because the Persian army is coming. Phididas, was it? What was his name? Phidippides. Phidippides, that's the one, yeah. So he runs to Sparta from Athens, which is not a short distance, 240 kilometres, 150 miles. I thought it was 26 miles, 380, what, 26 miles? No, well, not. that's the second run. So he runs to Sparta and says, hey, guys, do you want to come and help fight the Persians? And they go, nah, we're all right, actually. <laughs> so he runs 240 kilometres back to Athens. They say, well, I guess we have to fight the Persians on our own. The Athenian army then march 25 and a half miles and, and some to Marathon, where they have of the battle the Greeks win to much to most people's surprise I think Phidippides runs back to Athens goes oh we've won and then falls over dead is the story did they sort of extend it just so the emperor could see him yeah possibly he had to do a lap of the stadium at the end was probably what did for him well that's what, that's what they did that's why it's, that's why they, it's 26 miles 365 yards 385 yards isn't it it was doing it. Yeah, it was well, doing it dressed as Barney the dinosaur. That r- was the thing that really. <laughs> <laughs> but he did get a lot of sponsorship. So well done, Fidipides. Totally worth it. So one of the things you told us about was Xenophon and his company of soldiers. I absolutely did. And you told us that story about how him and his men came across some beehives and they stole the honey and they ate it all and then they made them very sick. Not just sick, but as if they were drunk, I think he says something to, along those lines. With diarrhea and a whole bunch of other issues, I think, was the problem. Also that, yeah. yes. And seizures. And so we spoke about that, didn't we? And I was like, I wonder if you can buy it. I'd like to try some of this hallucinogenic honey. Yes, mad honey, we were calling That's right. it. Known as Mad Honey, yeah. So I looked into it to see whether or not it's available. It is illegal to buy in South Korea, Australia and Brazil, but it's not illegal to buy in the UK or the USA. Oh, so have you placed your large order of things that will give you diarrhea and seizures? <laughs> no, because it's one of the more expensive honeys you could buy, costing about 70 or £80 pounds a jar. Oh my lord. Yeah, which you'd think it'd just come in a little sachet. Like, you don't want too much of it, surely. <laughs> so I just want a tiny little amount. I don't want to spend $80 on a on a jar of mad honey well you 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 pay 80 pounds for the jar then you cut it and sell it you could be a dealer cut it with regular honey <laughs> regular honey no, cut, cut it with marmalade sane Golden honey syrup or something <laughs> <laughs> so anyway so i was looking to see what it is so the reason why mad honey is mad we said was because of rhododendron flowers right yes but there is a type of toxin in there called the grianotoxin and it's that specifically so it's only a very few types of rhododendron which will help produce mad honey anyway so yeah used in small amounts it can give hallucinations and a slower heartbeat but in larger doses it can cause more dramatic reactions like temporary paralysis and unconsciousness nobody in the modern era has died from mad honey but there have been many reports of people being incredibly sick in turkey today mad honey has been cultivated as a medicine to help relieve hypertension and even as a sweeter alternative for viagra well thanks for that recommendation you don't want to take too much or else you'll shit the bed as well (laughs) it does sound like a dangerous game to play to be honest with you (laughs) but xenophon and his gang weren't the only soldiers in history to fall foul of mad honey in 69 bce gnaeus pompeius magnus otherwise known as pompey the great 
Pompey the Great was leading his Roman army on a chase of the Persian army led by King Mithridates of Pontus. They reached the Black Sea when the Persians gathered pots of, full of this local mad honey and left it by the side of the road for the Roman troops to find. <laughs> oh, no. Free a big sign. Yeah, free, free honey. honey. <laughs> <laughs> and sure enough, the Romans found the honey, they ate it all, and they lost their damn minds, and they couldn't fight. Basically, the, the Persian army swooped in, and they killed over a thousand Romans while just suffering like a handful of losses of their own. So you could say that Pompey was the first victim of a literal honey trap. You've been working on that all <laughs> yeah, week, haven't yeah. you? <laughs> <laughs> So I have to say, Ryan, I was slightly disappointed in myself because I didn't really talk about any Syrians themselves. Xenophon was Greek. The royal row was Darius's work, who's Persian. Everyone in charge, all the satraps were Persian because that's who you would install. So there was a shortage of Syrians. But there, I did find an awesome Syrian who was somewhat out of our time period. But I wanted to tell you about anyway, because he makes me laugh. Okay. This is somebody called Lucian of Samosata, who was a Syrian satirist and uh, a pamphleteer, apparently, who knew he had pamphleteers in those days. So everything we know about him comes from his own writings. And he wrote a book called Vera Historia, True Story, which opens with basically him saying, this is all lies. He then goes to detail his trip to the moon. Oh, really? (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. On the moon, he meets three-headed vultures, elephant-sized fleas, half women, half grapevine you kiss them and you get drunk from a kiss have you sold this to the daily star they'll buy it (laughs) this is good stuff isn't it this is the one that got me though men who sweat milk of such quality that cheese can be made from it by dripping in a little of the honey which runs from their noses Yes, I, I'm not sure I'd eat the sweat cheese or the n- nose dripping honey. As, as a piece of fictional literature, though, it's kind of impressive. It's great. A trip to the moon. It sort of reminds me of sort of the, the more crazy Beatles stuff. Lucy and the Sky with Diamonds. It's and... wild stuff. He was on the honey. Maybe he had a dose of the honey. He says, though, as a philosopher, he says, my lying is far more honest than other philosophers. For though I tell the truth in nothing else, at least I should be truthful in saying that I am a liar. <laughs> <laughs> so there, oh. i don't know what to make of that he's the only guy you can trust because he tells you he's lying essentially seems to be his pitch actually he was the guy who told us about the battle of marathon and the guy running back and oh so we can't believe dying, it then which is why we don't believe it <laughs> he's the only one we've heard it from so add that to his pile of lies All right, so I'm going to take a nice segue from that, Peter, and talk about straws. Natural segue. <laughs> cheese straws. Cheese straws, exactly. My father made some very good cheese straws, I have to say. Really? From his sweat cheese? <laughs> and his nose honey? <laughs> I hope not. I'm going to look at them in a totally different light now. <laughs> well, look, so, uh, Peter, you kindly gave me the gift of a spoon with a filter on the end that was also a, a straw. It was I did. three things in one. <laughs> You're going to show it to me. Well, you should have one. I'm sure Peter sent you one. Right, Peter? 
Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing was sent because I don't need to influence the judge with bribes. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> or it was already a dead loss, whichever one you want to take. <laughs> no, I was curious, right? So the straw that you gave me, Peter, it was metal and it had the little filter at the end. And obviously it's quite old, um, you know, old looking. They've been using those filter straws for at least, you know, centuries. Yes, I should clarify. That it was a yeah, new this- straw that I bought you. I did not buy you an antique straw. <laughs> but that got me thinking. I was like, well, when were the first straws invented? Oh, how only Ryan could think of that. <laughs> yeah. So I did a little bit of research. So uh, sh- straws, we you know we all use them today, commonly made from plastic. In fact, 500 million single-use plastic straws are used every single day in America. 25 billion every year in Europe. I think that's changing. I've I've seen a lot of paper straws. That's exactly right. Yeah. Due to environmental concerns and other regulations that are kicking in, plastic is being slowly phased out in favour of new materials like silicon, bamboo, metal, and as you rightly said, paper. But the origins of the humble straw date back much further than you might think. So in 1897, several Russian archaeologists were studying a large 5,000-year-old tomb when, amongst many items that they found, they found several long tubes made of silver and gold. And because they'd been buried beside an ancient king, the researchers assumed that the tubes were some kind of ceremonial staff, you know, a scepter of some kind, and so they just moved on. Later examinations of the tubes generated other theories, which included that they were part of the funeral canopy, which covered over the the tomb, and others suggested that they were arrows that served as a count of all the bulls that the king had killed. Can I propose... Yeah. Royal pea shooter. (laughs) That is the other option. Blow dark gun. <laughs> yeah. But over a hundred years later, in 2022, so last year, at the time of recording, another examination of the artifacts revealed something which had been overlooked before, which was the inside of the tube. So they took a swab of each of the tubes, and the analysis revealed the remnants of ancient barley starch pollen grains and fragments of plant cells. And with that information, the researchers were able to determine that the tubes had actually been used as straws for drinking beer from a large communal jar. So everyone would sit around one big jar and drink from that. And they know that because there were small slits at the end of each tube which acts as like a filter to prevent the larger solid byproducts of you know, the beer when it had been fermented, uh, which is sitting at the bottom of the jar from filtering up inside their mouths when they drank. And it appears that this was a practice that lasted for over 4,000 years because they found these Sumerian seals on beer jars and they quite literally have illustrations of people sitting around a pot drinking beer through straws. I'd sign up for that. I'd get a big vat of beer and a long straw. That'd be fun yeah i i have a fear about backwash so i'm gonna i'm gonna get my own jar of beer okay so you're not gonna join me in my long straw beer drinking experiment then no i'm we should have one jar each and one long straw and see who can drink it all the quickest ah you see going back to the environmental concern one of my main suggestions as an alternative to a plastic straw would be to drink your drink without a straw like an adult Oh, controversial. (laughs) I I would also add to that to actually pour it out of the bottle into a glass. (laughs) And we don't need to shove a bit of lime in it. Same as those stupid 
gin and tonic glasses that look like fish bowls. <laughs> oh. Well, we, we, did, we part company there, Paul. Come on, like what, guys, a... what, what is wrong with a pair of novelty straws that you wear on your face like a pair of glasses and you could watch the beverage go round your eyes <laughs> before it comes into your mouth? Yeah, I'm not big on shenanigans getting between me and my drink, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> it takes too long, doesn't it? <laughs> All right, just me then. And so, we have come to the end of the line, Peter. It's time for you to step into the dock and prepare to face the people's judge. Judge Dursley, are you ready to give your verdict? Yes, I am. Then will the defendant please rise? Certainly. Your Honour, as usual, may we start proceedings by first asking for your verdict on factual content. This is quite difficult, isn't it? Because... Basically, there are no facts really that we know about, or very, very few facts that we know about. So I'm going to have to sit on the fence about this one, I think. I shall give you a C. A C? Okay, Peter, you seem happy with that. That's better than I expected, okay. to be honest. Okay, well, they're all right. <laughs> well, then... Due to Riley's pointing out the dearth of actual facts <laughs> about the place. Yeah, I disagree. Hopefully it was fact-filled, but anyway. Okay, Your Honour, on to our next one. Entertainment value. Was it entertaining? Did you find the stories illuminating and enthralling? No, but I did find your star joke very good. So I will give you, for that alone, a B. But that was Ryan's star joke. Oh, sorry. D. (laughs) (laughs) Which I gave him and told him to say. (laughs) Okay, D minus. It's getting worse. I'm going to stop talking now. Yeah, stop digging. Okay then, Your Honour, if I can ask finally then for the Dursley Factor. I can sort of accept Pete's mitigation and his plea... But he did lean on his crutch rather a lot. I'm afraid it's a D. Another D? Because of my crutch, I knew it. <laughs> you are... Well, now, talking of your crutch, I think we need a section for him, for Trevor. Oh, okay. Oh, well, then, Your Honour, may I ask for your uh, verdict on Trevor from the History of Persia podcast? Well, I, I think I could only give Trevor a... a. Wow! He may have dragged you back into this. Well, let's see how if this factors in. Right, we've had our little mini-grade, so now we've reached the final verdict. Peter, before the judge passes his verdict, you have an opportunity now, and I would stress you probably need to enter a plea. If you choose to do so, please make that plea now. Right, I would like to say confidently and decisively. Oh, come on, Paul, please, come on. It was really hard. Oh, come on, mate. Oh, come on. Give us a break. Wow. That is my plea. Your Honour, the defendant stands before you. Have you reached a verdict? Oh, dear, this is difficult. I, 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 I need to weight Trevor's influence in this. Okay. I have come to my decision. Very good. Okay, in which case, I would ask most respectfully for your ruling. Given all of the extenuating factors, I believe this episode is worthy of... 
C plus. Oh, that's yes. That's one off that's a B. That's right. That is basically a B. It's more or less an A. I think Trevor really pulled me out of the bag there, and I think his his influence got me away from the D zone. <laughs> I wouldn't Google that. Okay, well, look, there you go. That is the show for this week. If you'd like to get in touch about any of the things that we've talked about on this show, or just to say hello, you can reach out to us on social media through our website at hhepodcast.com or by email at Pete and Ryan at hhepodcast.com. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. And you never know, you might end up featured on a future show. Yeah, and one way to definitely feature on a future episode is to rate and review the show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Your recommendation really goes a long way to help bringing the show to new listeners. And we love that. We do indeed. And if you're on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter or Mastodon, you can find us at HHE Podcast. And if you subscribe to those, you'll get an alert when we post extra content, pictures from the show, all sorts of things. And we'll be back again soon with our next episode, episode 67 religion in the Maldives during the High Middle Ages. It's 1000 to 1250 CE. Yay. (laughs) But in the meantime, a huge thank you to the judge himself. Thank you, Paul. My pleasure. And that's it. I guess all that's left to say is... You've been listening to... Soggy straws. There's lots of complaints online that I've been reading about. You know, where the, the straw goes in the water and it absorbs it and then it becomes useless. Well, it should be waxed. Well, yes, precisely. But side note, I would recommend that should you want to look into this anymore, you don't Google soggy straw. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't even, I can't even imagine what you, oh no. <laughs> um, it was, um, it, it was a down, a down moment of my day. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm just Googled. Oh dear. Yeah. I did warn you not to Google it. <laughs> That's disgusting. It is, yes. As I as I reiterate, don't Google it. <laughs> What is a soggy straw then? I'm not Googling it. Do you really want to know? Just vaguely. Give me a headline. Okay. Right. It's when you give your partner a pink sock, you grab it back and you defecate into it. What? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Don't go down the soggy straw rabbit hole. (laughs) No. I'm out. (laughs) Well, there's another one, isn't there? There's a second one, which you said, the act. The act of using one's foreskin to store water or various other liquids, yeah. much like a camel. Like a camel? <laughs> much like a camel. John got thirsty during the football game. Luckily, he had his stoggy straw filled to the brim. <laughs> well, there you go. That is what a soggy straw is. I hope you're happy now. Thanks. I'm not at all happy, but now I don't have to Google it. <laughs> <laughs>